0: in everyone to a fresh off the presses brand new whisper in the wings we are so excited we continue to get to have reunion after reunion of former guests joining us and today we have two of our favorite guests that we had on our show last year joining us today we have the playwright Nathan Johnson and the director and dramaturg Katie Jones who are speaking with us today about a great new show having a reading The show is called The Dummy's Guide to Murdering Your Husband, if you were going to, but you aren't, and it's being presented by Magnetic Theater. It's a live reading on January 26th and 27th, and you'll be able to catch this at 35 Below in Asheville, North Carolina, but have no fear if you are not in the Asheville area, because it is also streaming. You can get your tickets and more information by heading to themagnetictheater.org. As I said, we have had these two wonderful artists on our show before, so I cannot wait to welcome them back. So with that, Nathan, Katie, welcome back to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hello. Hi. I am so happy to have you two here to be talking about another new work. I can't believe a whole year has gone by, but I'm so excited that you're here delivering some wonderful, wonderful new theater to share with us. So. Nathan, let's start with you. You are right. a playwright of this show. And I already I already love it, purely on the title. A dummy's guide to murdering your husband if you were going to, but you aren't. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about this show?
1: Well, I think it, it can be described quite simply. I think of it as it's a romp. You know, it's a romp created to have fun. And it's about these two husbands who who escape for a very romantic getaway, each unaware that the other has hatched a plot to murder him and of course it's loaded with twists and turns and i hope hilarity ensues that's that's what i hope i
0: love this i you always write such fascinating work i i'm over the moon with it so how did you come up with this particular show what was the
1: idea behind it i was kind of forced to write this show actually because the majority of what i write are everything i write is dark obviously look at this comedy but I, my friends were all like, why are you writing these dark and twisting thrillers when you're so funny? Now, I don't happen to think I'm remotely funny. I think I'm dead serious. So I was like, you know what? I'll write this show that they think I'm supposed to write, and they'll all shut their mouths because they'll see that I am not funny at all. And unfortunately, it's, <laughs> it seems to have had the opposite effect.
0: That is Awesome. <laughs> Well, Katie, I want to bring you in now. I'm curious to know, how did you come upon this work?
2: Well, the Magnetic Theater has a new play development program that we've had for a few years now. And what we do is we accept submissions from playwrights from all across the country around the world. And you don't have the barrier of having to submit through an agent. Which means we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of submissions and we have a team of readers and we whittle it down and whittle it down. And then with the top 10, we do interviews with those playwrights so that we can get a feel for how they are and how we think we're going to work together. And then we, we chose a final four for this year that we're going to be doing readings of throughout the year. And this is the first one for 2024
0: that is so exciting well as of recording we are literally days away two days away from the unveiling of this it is a world premiere if i remember right of this reading katie what has it been like developing it and getting it ready for that
2: been fun we've been working on it since september and that has looked like us having some zoom meetings with me and nathan and our other dramaturg abby and we did have this other guy mark jones working on the show as well but he got covid up right before the production started and so did not ultimately get to join us but was part of the original development process and so what we would do is we would meet we'd talk about the play nathan would ask questions we would answer those questions and. Then he would go away and write some more. And then, you know, we also would write him emails. I like to go through a script as a dramaturg line by line to see what I see and give little suggestions as well as sort of overarching ways that playwrights can work on their stuff. So we just went back and forth like that for several months. And then we got into the room and it's a totally different thing because we're all working together. And so much of this play is physical comedy. So it is about creating the finesse in that so that it is believable, but also fun.
0: Wonderful. Nathan, as the playwright, what has it been like developing it and hearing your words out loud and everything?
1: You know, I gotta tell you, the experience has been astounding. Katie has a really fascinating eye for dramaturgy. It's really interesting. Like she spots every little creak in the floor and it's so fascinating to get to work with somebody who looks so closely and so specifically. And it's it's been really eye-opening. And I have to say, being here in, in the room, and finding finding the spots and and wiggling the stuff. And I really do do just want to not only give Katie the biggest kudos in the world, but this team of three actors who are all doing what is essentially a three Stooges routine with scripts in their hands. It's it's kind of unbelievable. This like they are working their butts off to do stuff while holding a script. And it really is. It's probably Katie. Would you say it's at least? <laughs> 30, 30 to 40% based on the physicality, at least?
2: Oh, at least. You could almost do this place silently and it would still read. And so with the scripts, you know, we're doing a lot of like, you know, all right, how do you kick a frying pan into someone's face while you're both holding scripts? And and meanwhile, a third actor is moving a music stand for you. You know, it, it's, And we're well, also uh, it's tied really- up. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so we've really created quite the challenge for ourselves. But the guys are like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll throw myself on the floor. I'll jump up in the air and land on the other guy. And like, they have been real troopers. I, oh,
1: wait. I got to look like I've peed my pants. Sure. You know, like, yeah. it's like, <laughs> honestly, it's like this is a whole room. It's an entire room of yes and people. And it's so. Katie, isn't it? Doesn't it just feel so good? It's like you're like, can we try this, guys? And everybody's like, yes. Nobody even stops for a second. They just go yes. And it's I've got to tell you, it's kind of it's heart bursting. It's just what theater is about. I think.
2: Yeah, it's been really pretty magical that way because they're they're just game.
0: I love that, Nathan. I'm curious to know. What is the message or thought you're hoping the audiences take away from all this hullabaloo, if you will?
1: You know, I guess I'd say at the end of the day, it's a plain and simple thing. I hope people walk away feeling joy. You know, as I was writing this, because again, I, I, as I started writing it, I started feeling like, okay, hmm, maybe there is something here. And then I thought, do I need hide a message in this show? Or can I literally just write something that brings people joy? And then I started thinking about Clue and Soap Dish and Noises Off and those things that you can just watch and know you're going to have a great time and nobody's going to try and make you think about something. And if you want to think about something, you do, but you can just sit there and enjoy yourself. That's that was That became the reason behind this after I started tinkering with it.
0: Oh, I love that. And invoking some of the great films there and plays. I love that. It's wonderful. Katie, as the director and dramaturg and the artistic director of the theater that's presenting this, what is the message or thought you hope to convey to audiences?
2: Well, for a lot of us here in North Carolina, this is a peek into a world that we don't always see that Berkshires, Hamptons, filthy rich thing is kind of an adventure. It's it's a little bit of, I think, a journey into the unknown. And obviously we have a huge gay population here in Asheville, but we're in the South. And so there is a little bit of education that comes into that. The behaviors that a long married gay couple can have and totally bite each other with winning remarks, and still very much love each other at the end of the day. And so I want people to see that, see how wonderful and normal it is, and also have a
0: blast. Amen to that. Finally, for this first part, I would love to know, who do you all hope have access to this reading? And Katie, I'm going to stick with you first on that.
2: Well, Nathan's heard me talk about this a lot, but one of my biggest, I guess, goals for theater is that it's for everyone. And so I want anyone who wants to see this play to be able to see it. That's one of the reasons that we wanted to stream it so that if people are far away or if people are staying home because they're worried about the myriad diseases that happen in wintertime, et cetera, it's accessible that way. If price is a barrier, we work with people on getting into the show. And, and so I want that. I've also invited some other artistic directors and people from Asheville to see it. So for me, my local community seeing this is of the utmost importance. And I also have some uncles in New York who are going to be tuning in. So very exciting. And yeah, that's, that's it for me.
0: Wonderful. Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, Your uncles in New York are not gonna be the only ones up here tuning in. I'm just gonna put that there. Nathan, what about you? Who do you hope have access?
1: Well, the truth is I I really do genuinely hope that my queer community has access to this. But I also think that this piece, and and I'd also be very curious to hear Katie's thoughts on it and yours after you see it. I believe that I've written a piece that these two people just happen to be gay, but it's a relationship piece it's a, it's about a relationship and yes because they're gay, it's very specific but you know I've written a piece that you you can sort of I hope see elements of you or your partner in or people you know, even though they're complete people completely different than you living almost in the in in the highest most dramatic expression of themselves. I guess I could say. so I'm kind of hoping anybody who who wants a laugh comes to see it. my 11 year old nephew, has heard sections of this play and he thinks it's the freaking funniest thing, of course, before, because it's it's dark and it's, you know what I mean? So, of course, his father before was like, let me tell you a few things, you know, but, you know, so my 11-year-old nephew's seen some of it. He laughs and laughs and laughs and I think it just has sort of, sort of that human stuff. I'm trying to, as, as sort of heightened and genre-specific as it is. I'm really trying in the entire thing to maintain that deep humanity. And I hope that people who just want to come in and laugh at themselves and laugh at each other from the right place, you know, you know when we're laughing at us as humans, you know, that's what I hope. We can all come in and laugh at us as humans because we do ridiculous stuff.
0: second part of our interview as always we like to let our listeners get to know our guests a bit more and i have loved having both of you on the show before so i'm excited to kind of peel back the curtain even more and i want to start by asking the two of you how did you come into the performing arts and nathan i would love to start that with you
1: i grew up in the berkshires and very interestingly as much of a cultural center that the berkshires are uh, in the spring, summer, fall, you know, with Barrington stage and Williamstown theater festival and mass mocha and the Clark and Jacob's pillow and the Norman Rockwell museum. It's literally an epicenter of cultural activity yet. Very inter- interestingly, it's a, it's a place that's, it's my own, it's my hometown and I am a mass hole by to the cord. You know what I mean? But at the same time, have you ever heard that term at the same, at the same time, I am a dedicated Massachusetts, particularly Berkshire boy. And The people there can, are, are, there can be a little bit of this, despite the fact that it's such a cultural epicenter and there wasn't much available for me to be exposed to. And then in my freshman year, I saw a production of Little Shop of Horrors. And my entire brain, what a one to my the first like live play I'd seen, and my whole brain exploded. It just exploded. And from there on in, I was trying to get into everything that I could. And that took me to, you know, college. I went to Merrimack, Manhattan, where I fell under the, the the tutorship of Pat Hogue Simon, who discovered steel magnolias in a slush pile. And her husband was John Simon, the John Simon, and told me very early on that I should be writing plays. And when you are a kid who just scraped together everything and his family's paying everything they can to send you to school for acting, to find out that you got to learn something else that you have no idea about. I just, I brushed that idea off. And you know, it took it took me a long time to to sort of come around to it, but, but that's what got me in. And that's what rolled the dice forward, you know?
0: I love that journey for you though. That's amazing. Katie, how about you? How did you come into the performing arts?
2: Well, I was seven years old and my elementary school teacher was doing a production of the best Christmas pageant ever. And our librarian was directing it and I was a pretty good reader at the time. So she said, Katie, I think you should play Gladys Herdman. And it was I don't know. It was just a really fun experience. Being an actor, I got this great part where I had to like pop up out of the stage. They actually had a little trap door at our school. It was so <laughs> cute. And so I got to come out of it and say, Shazam, Out of the Black Knight, the Mighty Marbo. And because I was being the Holy Ghost, and in her mind, he was an actual ghost. And so anyway, at that point, I just did theater all the way through elementary school, middle school, high school. And then my parents also sent me to school for acting, but their prerogative was that I had to go to a state school. So they had a theater major at Clemson University in South Carolina. And then the second I graduated, I was like, where can I go? And Chicago wound up being the answer to that. And I was in Chicago for my whole 20s. Absolutely loved it. And I got a chance to study it. When you said Del Close, I was like, oh, I did a whole program at the IO and also Second City, and really actually got a lot of training in comedy first. And then theater ended up coming more after that.
0: What a journey, as well. I love these two origins that both of you have had. That is amazing. Now I know that you both have been very busy getting ready for the dummy's guide to murdering your husband if you were going to, but you aren't. But I'm curious to know, have either of you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners?
1: I've seen a whole bunch of things. You know, some of it is already closed, unfortunately. Like Dig was fantastic at 59 East 59th, took my breath away. Swing State took, I never saw it coming. I have to be completely honest with you. I never saw it coming. People, you still have the chance, get there to see Kimberly Akimbo if you haven't seen it. I, I'm, I, I'm seeming to think you and I have the same taste, my friend. And have you yet, have you gone out to New Jersey yet to see Charles Bush's Ibsen's Ghost? But it. you know what? He, it's coming to 59 East 59 and yeah, it's in April it's coming to 59 East 59. So if you miss it there, you're going to get to see it there. And okay. I'm going to tell you, I've been, I've been, Charles has given me the gift of like reading, you know, I've been reading that with him, just, you know, him and I at his apartment for six months and, and it is so freaking good. It is, so, I, I think it's a masterpiece. It's so, so, so good. Highly, highly recommend
2: Well, I will say I don't live in New York, but I did actually have the privilege of going there in June because it was what my husband wanted for his 40th birthday. And I went to see Fat Ham, which I absolutely loved as well. It was such a fun take on Hamlet. And I thought the lead actor was, did a really beautiful job performing the role. So hi there recommend that i also saw hadestown and thoroughly enjoyed myself and i didn't know till after the fact but nathan's vacation was actually playing at the same time but next time i'm in new york i will be able to see one of his too i'm sure so yeah that's what i could recommend to those new york people who are listening to this
0: i love that well thank you for all those suggestions Those wonderful suggestions I want to ask you two now my favorite question to ask. What is another of your favorite theater memories?
2: I have lots. It's hard to choose from. But the one that came to me when I was thinking about this interview was in 2019, I got to play the activist Emma Goldman in a show that we did here called In the Assassin's Garden. And I've never played anybody who was such a total badass and it was really fun because the way that she was in this show it traveled through time so you got to see emma goldman in her element when she was really alive all the way up to maybe who she would have been now so i'm sitting there in my leather jacket and my che Guevara shirt and really feeling like an absolute queen on stage it was so much fun and i also had a lot of like really long monologues which was completely new for me as well as an actor and so it was just a delicious experience. And we had our playwright in the room there too, which I always really love because he can be like, oh no, I meant this by this. And it's, it's exciting to be part of a collaborative process like that. So I would say getting to play Emma Goldman, that was one of my favorite memories. That
0: sounds amazing. I love that memory. Bring back the leather
1: jacket. I'm just saying. <laughs> Nathan, how about you? Well, for me, there's, there's probably a couple of things I have to say, seeing it's been, I, I have to say, you know, I, I've been writing my entire life, even though I've never shown it to anybody. You know, when I, when I finally started kind of taking writing seriously, my mom pulled out this tome that she'd kept and it was notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of stories and plays and songs that I'd been writing from the time I was like, God, who knows elementary school. And it's like, it's this thing that I'd always done and never even thought that I did, Do you know what I mean? I never even thought about it. I just did it and kept him in the notebook. And then to sort of start to take it seriously and allow people to see them and see the reaction that it's been getting and the way it's been putting me into the hands of certain mentors, you know what I mean? And people are taking me under their wing and people are helping me carve paths. And it's kind of, it almost feels in a way surreal And then, you know, some of my broader and deeper ones, I've had a lot of opportunities that have put me in extremely intimate circumstances with legendary people. So I'll be backstage alone with people like Liza Minnelli and Charles Bush and Julie Halston and Elaine Stritch for, you know, for very Betty, Betty Buckley, various reasons why I've been alone in intimate situations with these people, usually theatrical situations, always actually. And- to get to hear the stories and the like, Paul McCartney even to get to hear the stories and the small, quiet, private things and the thing the 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 nervousnesses that they have and the the the, the things that sometimes you don't think occur in these people that we forget are human. And I think that that humanization of some of those, these people and, and getting to know them in such a personal and, and intimate way, not with what they show to everybody else, but when they're talking to you only from their heart, you know, it's probably going to be the some of the greatest memories I take with me my whole life.
0: I love those two. What incredible experiences both of you have had. Those are amazing. Thank you so much for sharing those. Thank you. Do either of you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you?
2: The Magnetic Theater is doing, obviously, Dummy's Guide this weekend. And then two weeks after that, we are going to be presenting another reading of a play called This Dog Don't Hunt, which is about a woman growing up in small town Texas not being quite right and all of the hilarity that ensues from that once these characters are in their forties. So yeah, that's what we're doing next and are looking forward to working with another playwright, Terry Van Zandt. So
0: Very cool. That sounds exciting as well. Nathan, what is on your plate? I'm sure there is stuff.
1: Well, since you ask, I, I I just actually had a huge full-page article about me go up in my hometown newspaper, the Berkshire Eagle, and that has prompted a couple of things, which is very exciting. I'm I'm currently developing my family drama, which is called Kazuri, with the Oculus Theater Company. It's looking like I'm about to have a reading in Vermont and perhaps one in Massachusetts as well. I'm a finalist right now for the Meanwhile Park Playwright Prize, and fingers crossed and i have a couple um two or three more private readings coming up private developmental readings scheduled for this year so a couple a couple little irons in the fire here and there
0: that all sounds amazing we've got some stuff to keep our eyes on both up here in the the northeast in the new york area as well as down in north carolina so here we go with the last question which is if our listeners would love more information about the dummy's guide to murdering your husband, if you were going to, but you aren't, or about either of you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so?
2: Well, if our listeners go to the magnetic theater with an re dot org, they will find tickets to the show. They can find the description of the show. And from there, they can also email me and that way they can get to me or Nathan if they would like. And I'm sure there's other ways you could reach Nathan as well.
1: On all the socials, I'm at Nathan Walnut with no spaces, Nathan Walnut. And I'll have a website soon. I guess I was born in the 1700s. So, you know, I I, I tick to that. Will you fix my VCR kind of clock? And I can also, my work can be found on New Play Exchange for those that are in the industry and I can be found there as well.
0: Wonderful. Well, Nathan, Katie, thank you so much for stopping by once again and sharing this amazing work that both of you are involved in and just more of all that you're up to and everything. Thank you so much for your time. It is always wonderful to speak with the two of
1: you. I'm gonna tell you it's been a bliss. You are pure joy. And I think that you're what theater's about. You, you keep the lifeblood of it pumping. You keep contact even with the smallest of us out there. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'm grateful for you.
2: Andrew, it was lovely to see you again. It's been really exciting. And I'm so glad that you mentioned it because right at the beginning, I was like, oh my God, I don't know if it's a past life or what, but we know each other. <laughs>
0: thank you both nathan thank you for those kind words and yes i'm just so glad that we got to reconnect today and talk and this has just been so wonderful i love everything you two are doing and i'm so excited to be tuning in for this so thank you again my guests today have been the amazing playwright nathan johnson and the director and dramaturg. Katie Jones, who's also the artistic director at Magnetic Theater, who's presenting Nathan's new work, The Dummy's Guide to Murdering Your Husband, if you were going to, but you aren't. It's a live reading happening on January 26th and 27th at 35 Below in Asheville, North Carolina. Again, have no fear if you're not in the area because you can also stream it. Join those of us up here in New York and stream this wonderful reading. Get your tickets and more information by heading to themagnetictheater.org, and that's theater the right way, R-E. We also have some contact information for our guests, which will be posted in our episode description, as well as on our social media post, so that you can keep up with all the amazing work that both Katie and Nathan are doing. But right now, you need to head to the Magnetic Theater Get your tickets, whether they're going to be in person at 35 Below or streaming, like we're doing, for January 26th or 27th live reading of The Dummies' Guide to Murdering Your Husband, if you were going to, but you aren't. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about
2: the theater
1: in a stage whisper. Thank you.
0: If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at StageWhisperPod.
2: And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at StageWhisperPod at gmail.com.
0: And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.